Welcome to the Multitask. This is John. So we woke up, I forget which day this past last week, and we found out that our our president, Joe Biden, had gone ahead and snuck into Ukraine. Now, before we get into all the significance of it, um, you and I were nerding out because you and I have already had discussions about Air Force One and presidential transportation. Once we learned about the whole existence of him coming by train, what some people have called Rail Force One, um, I think the I think the legend of Dark Brandon uh, riding into Kiev in Rail Force One is just something that we we just have to celebrate. So, what was your thought about learning of Joe Biden's uh, not only trip to Ukraine but how he got to Ukraine? I find it fascinating in a world of reporting and 24-hour news that this wasn't scooped by somebody. Like, the first time we knew was because you took a picture with President Zelensky and they released it on their own, right? Um, and you can answer this when I when I give it back to you, but the first thought was, like, I wonder how many people outside of America, or inside of America, I should say, knew about this. Like, how many people? Like, did the press secretary know? Did... Um, did the, I'm sure the chief of staff knew, like, I, I wonder on a, on a, can you count them on two finger or two hands? Can you count them? Like, I just wonder how, how, how many people were involved overall, but you could, you could give me your thoughts later. But, um, I just thought, wow, remarkable. I'm surprised it was by train, like to have a sitting president on a train for 12 hours, obviously nobody knew. Um, and he was traveling overnight as far as, um, uh, USA time, but, um, I, just logistics, right? We talked about it all the time with the ambulance and uh, all this stuff. Like, I, it, it, I thought he would just have Air Force One fly somewhere near the, the capital and then caravan over to where they were going. But the fact that he went to a different country, Poland was involved on some level, trained over for twelve hours is pretty is pretty impressive. Um, and I, I told you this, like, I thought Russia had to know immediately because of obvious reasons, but um, I think people were pushing back, like, why do you have to tell Russia? But if if Russia happens to want to bomb the capital that day and the president's, and they don't know the president's there, they can use that as plausible deniability. So you have to let them know, like, you're, yo, we're coming, ain't shit popping off. Uh, excuse my language is, is how I think they, they put it. So uh, I just found it remarkable, all the logistics that had to go into it. Um, it, it. Also, like, Biden's very good at that, John. It wasn't like... It wasn't like if you look at the pictures, he's like he got his aviators on, it's all smiles. He's walking through like the tough law done. They got a lot of good press, a lot of good uh, media images out of that. It, it was pretty pretty fun to watch. Well, first of all, and I'm surprised. I, so so I'm I'm taking you didn't see the TikToks that not not the TikTok the website or the the application, but TikTok is is a phrase that we oftentimes use as far as relating to a timeline. And um, so there were two reporters, uh, Stanley Vucci, I think, who's an Associated Press photographer, and Sabrina Siddiqui, who is a who's a Wall Street Journal reporter. And they were the two, and they literally were just with to Andrews. And you know, they didn't even fly on the traditional seven forty seven. It was a it was a, it was some type of it was a different type of plane. And they said that the the, the shades were drawn. Uh, and and a, a, a minute upon arriving at the airport, they weren't told where they were going, what they were doing, and they had to give up their phones. They had to give up their phones. They couldn't tweet. They couldn't text or anything. 
and they said they landed or they actually stopped in germany for refueling and the the shades were drawn no one knew who was on the plane and they never saw potus um and then they land and they're whisked off and they get on the train and it wasn't until they got to kiev that they got their phone back it was it was like 24 hours from the time they left and i'm just dying i'm like i'm wondering if you're a family member <laughs> a loved one a significant other of a of a of a pool reporter uh is that just part you know just someone goes missing you know uh, and you can't reach them but um you know it, it was really fascinating how they snuck them in but one of the things that i was uh talking to you about and it was it was i'm being lighthearted, but i also really wanted this to happen when i found out that biden arrived in 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 a ukraine and kiev via train I was really, truly hoping that he had, uh, that there was actually a presidential coach or two, as well as a, as well as a secret service driven or army driven locomotive that was just like stashed away somewhere in DC. And whenever the president was traveling, whether it's putting it on rail or even loading it onto a cargo ship and shipping it across the ocean, I needed that. I was so disappointed. I think what they did was badass. I love the fact that the Ukrainians are whole playing up the whole Rail Force One, but I really needed that. You know how bad I texted you about it multiple times that I was just, I was crestfallen that there was not some special forces that literally had a, a rail and train. And, and just so you know, pre-plane, that's how, that's how the president used to travel. And you think given his love for trains, they may have gone ahead and they, they may have done it. Plus, if you saw the one or two pictures off the train, it looked pretty like it was a pretty nice, at least, car that Biden was in. I don't know how many cards they had. But um, but evidently, the Ukrainians, to your point about, like, we'll, we'll talk about the deconfliction in a minute, but the Ukrainians um, evidently used this to get other foreign dignitaries. So they probably have a Secret Service level. And you know what's funny is, um, given our support, whether it's Biden or Macron or anyone that might go visit Zelensky, what do you want to bet that there's a lot of elements that our Secret Service and our military are advising? And even if it's Ukrainians doing it, our people are the ones that are really, really running the show on that. Or or not maybe not running the show, but have pretty much, you know, are the consultants and they're the ones who are the driving force behind a lot of that. Yeah, I, I, you said a lot of things, but I, I don't think they're the driving force. I also think Poland is involved pretty heavily and we're, we're involved in Poland heavily as well. But um, I do agree that we're definitely behind the scenes reinforcing and, uh, and, and leading them in some way. Um, yeah, I, like, look, I... I I, I told you, man, I kind of wish that I seen a picture of Air Force One carrying a big uh, cargo train or something uh, on the way. But I don't know. I think it's pretty impressive what they did. I also think that uh, you mentioned it. I mentioned it on Twitter. Like, I wonder if some other countries start to put together something like this to kind of uh, help people or, or anybody foreign to, to come in like that. Also, credit to Ukrainians. Like, the fact that they pulled this off, uh, no leaks, no nothing, like... That dude over there, Zelensky, is is impressive. Like this whole time, he's really impressed me in a lot of different ways. He came here to talk 
to Congress. He uh, was meeting with David Letterman for his Netflix show. Like they've been, they've been pretty um, after the letter. I don't know, John, not to bring this up, but after, did you ever see the Letterman interview with Slancy at all? So it takes place in a train tunnel and train active trains are going by. Cause that's that what they felt was the safest place. Um, but then after that, I kind of went down a rabbit hole and, and the guy who tweeted out the Rail Force One picture, I saw a little piece on him and he's talking about in the Letterman uh, segment, he's talking about how he's he's involved now and how he's in, in charge of all the trains and everything. So I kind of knew about this figure prior prior to that. But um, it was just fascinating to see both ends kind of hold up their own bargain. Um, so I'm going to pose a question to you, John. Let's say Trump wins or let's say he never wins but whatever does he try to remember he's he tries to have these obama moments all the time right he tried to do his speech about killing the leader of al-qaeda like like uh, obama did uh bin laden he, he tries to copy these moments that people are impressed with it's pretty clear to me that it's hard not to be impressed with biden did to, i think he's the first president to go in an active war zone in how many ever years right um do you think Trump tries? Well, to no, no. Just you know, he's not the first president going to active war zone. He's the first president going to an active war zone that wasn't controlled by the Americans. Yeah, that's so. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, make that clarification. Which is yeah. which is fascinating to me. But do you think Trump tries to stage his own? I'm on a private train. They built this train for Trump. It's a Trump train. Maybe if he doesn't win the president, he tries to do it somewhere locally. But I also think Trump is super jealous right now. Uh, believe it or well, not. Well, I think that's the difference, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna expand beyond Trump to the entire Republican Party, and yeah. I still think I'm not sure if you remember how old you were when um, you had Bush Bush flew the plane. Uh, Bush flew, flew the plane. Um, I think that there's a subtle confidence, whereas the Republicans try to oftentimes use it as machismo, and 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 even the way the way that they approach these things. And again, we're not talking Trump. We're talking Bush flying Atlanta. I think there's a, like, you know, my balls are bigger than your balls mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm a, I'm a hard ass type thing. And I think when you do stuff like Biden did and, and quite frankly, uh, you know, how Obama's done, you don't have to walk around telling everybody my balls are bigger than yours because people see them that way. Right. Where I think the Republicans oftentimes do an over the top job of, you know, this is us. This is, you know, we're, we're world beaters, blah, 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 blah. And I think had there been more of what would it have looked differently for Biden had there been more forward bravado? I think that bravado would have backfired. I think I don't. Well, let me just put it this way. It would have backfired for Biden. I don't think it backfires for Republicans, but I think it minimizes the effectiveness for Republicans, right? You know what I'm saying? It, it, it's that's one of those where you you ever heard the phrase "you show don't tell, you show but you don't tell." I think you show that you know we all wake up and like, oh my goodness, this man's in in Ukraine, and and here he is strutting out right there, and he's with Zelensky, and he's out, and you know uh, someone said you know today, which is multiple days after Biden went, it's like, think about it. When we, when we were thinking about the buildup to the Ukrainian war, um, no one would have had uh, Biden walk in the streets of Kiev before 
uh, Putin walked the streets of Kiev. So I think that, you know, the imaging, the optics, and we all know, even when you're doing hardcore, real substantive stuff, optics still matter. And I just think the optics were done. But I was, am I correct about that when you aren't, when you don't have the bravado and you make a boss move, it's probably stronger than when you make a boss move with bravado? Uh, I like your thoughts on that. Uh, 100%. Uh, when you brought that up, it made me think of what George Bush was wearing when he flew the plane. Like he had the, the, the camouflage and the jacket and all this stuff, right? Republicans love that, right? Remember Trump famously wanted a military parade. Ted Cruz and that Republican kind of uh, group that went down to the border, they were all in camouflage, right? DeSantis, who was like touring the flood area with those boots and everything, like they, they want to appear manly and rugged rough and rugged and 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 like they know what they're doing but like you said it's a costume and i think majority of people kind of see through i really do believe a majority of people see through that now did i want to see biden in a military jacket no like that stuff is not him i don't think it's him right also i think he has a little bit more respect to the fact that his son who his son was right and so he was in a suit he was in a normal suit aviator glasses um and i'll pose this question to you how much of that do you think is actually talked about like, do you think they had a meeting and said, what should you should be wearing? Or Biden was just like, woke up and I said, I'm, I'm wearing a suit. I'm not doing anything else. You know what I mean? Zelensky famously just wears the same thing over and over. He spoke to Congress in that same green shirt and everything like that. Right. So, um, yeah, I think for Republicans, I think it, it, I think the majority of people do see through it, that it's a costume. And, and I, I think they think that they're the tough party. But the fact is, I can't name a single Republican who would do what Biden did. Trump, Trump called, you know, I, I, Trump called I the think I, troops like cowards and everything like that. Like Trump would never go into an active war zone, let alone like the other Republicans in mind. I think that the big difference and going back to the suit versus the costume, I think, and it goes back to even how Democrats govern versus Republicans. Now, don't, don't forget how the Republicans govern oftentimes does benefit the political politically because it motivates their base, and they only care about their base. Um, the way that Trump approaches things, the way that Bush approached things, it worked with their base. But the problem is, is that they only governed and tried to appeal to their base. Biden is not trying to, especially with how he governs, he's not really <coughs> trying to appeal to his, our base. He's trying to build to the entire country, and he's trying to do it through what, what we did, what many of us believe to be a strong model of leadership, right? Um, I'll tell you this much. Um, again, as we've talked about in previous episodes, granted, at any given time, the world can fall apart for Biden given his age. But also, that was an 80-year-old man who, you know, look, I, 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 don't, see, I don't see Trump walking the streets of uh, West Palm Beach the way I, you know, with the same swagger that Biden walked the streets of Kiev. Yeah, I mean, he seemed fearless, John. I don't, I don't think he, like, I, he might have hit it well, but I personally would have been scared, like, just because of what the territory I am. He was smiling, and, and obviously politicians do a good job of trying to be the face of what what we should feel, right? They're they're getting public vaccines. They're trying to take away the fear of some of that, and that, it was monumental. Also, like. 
we're only talking about our side, but what about their side? Like, what about the Ukrainians and, and, and Eastern European countries who are watching Biden show this support to uh, that region to walk in the middle of the capital like that? Um, I, I bet it, it did a lot for Ukrainians. Uh, and I bet it, it did a lot for those people uh, around Ukrainians. Uh, I also think it probably stung Russia a lot. You know what I mean? I imagine getting a call like, you know, when you're backyard and you're nothing you can do about it. You know what I mean? Um, it's, it's diplomacy. It's, it's also, uh, it's also a little bit of machismo of saying, this is what we're doing. You can't stop it. And at the same time, they're having conversations about Brittany Griner and this person, this person, and this person, um, it's effective and, um, Republicans can't, you talk about walking and chewing gum at the same time and Republicans are just not able to do that. You know, what is your, and we could transition. I don't know if you were going to get into Ohio at all, but what's your take on, Republicans, because they're so pro-Russia that they're criticizing Biden doing this by saying, well, why aren't you in Ohio and the front runner of the Republican Party going to Ohio himself? Well, I do think, first and foremost, I don't necessarily, while we know they are pro-Russia, I don't necessarily think that their reaction to Biden going to Ukraine was pro-Russia as much as we just see some opportunity that we can drag him on. And and so I don't think that I don't think Russia came into play, per se, in this particular instance. I think it came to it was a situation in East Palestine that they're already exploiting. You know, Chucker Carlson's out here saying that it's not getting the coverage it deserves because these are white people. Um, it's, it's funny because I saw something on the news the other day where, you know, the East Palestine mayor even got in on it and said, you know, Biden, you know, I'm insulted. But I, I also, but the same person who was selling us that said that um, he had already, the East Palestine mayor said he did not want Biden to come because of the way that his security would actually impact. So, you know, the people are being opportunistic. People, people are being opportunistic and they're being disingenuous. They're acting in bad faith. And don't forget, not only is it the right acting in bad faith, but the David Serratas of the world, the Mahdi Hassans, of the world who are coming after Biden from the left and coming after Pete. Well, they're, they're not really coming after Biden as much as they're coming after Mayor Pete. Uh, Mayor Pete has been there. Michael Reagan from the EPA has been there twice. Um, and the other piece, too, if if they would exploit it, and Pete did a good job, Secretary Pete, I call him Mayor Pete, but Secretary Pete did a great job on his visit when he was just saying, you know, if Trump really feels so strongly about this, he'll encourage and support an effort to reverse the deregulation that he put forth. No, I don't know. I've not seen the National Transportation Safety Board's uh, report. Do we know yet? Because um, I know they released a report, but do we know if the breaking, which was actually a reversal from the Trump administration, do we know if the breaking contributed to the to the crash or not? From what I understand, the train that crashed would not be considered. The, it, it wouldn't be labeled as covered. Does that make sense? I don't think it was big enough uh, to be covered or it, it would be under the that. But like Mayor Pete was saying, I watched that same clip. What he was saying was just across the board, every, like Republicans and Trump specifically were were uh, deregulating things. Um, so it, I, I think it would have helped. I just think, I don't know if that one thing that Trump did would have uh, affected anything. Right. But, um, you know, it's it's frustrating, especially because um, 
the one thing that happened too, and I and I'm going to go back. It's got it before we move back to East Palestine entirely. I want to bring up something else about Biden's trip to Ukraine, and not too long ago, and when I say not too long ago, I'm talking at least the Bush administration, uh, the W. Bush administration. Not too long ago, um, whenever American was American president was overseas on foreign soil. There was an unwritten rule that you do not criticize them, and there's a real reason, a real strong reason for that. Especially when you think about what's going on with Ukraine and Russia, is you you by crit, by making criticisms of a foreign leader of I'm sorry, an American leader when he's on foreign soil. Um, what you're doing is you're showing weakness. You're showing um, uh, cracks. You're showing that there's space between the president and the Congress. And while we know that is the case, and I'm sure many foreign leaders know that, I think there's something about, you know, I know that Democrats during the Bush years were, you know, bit their tongue, bit their tongue whenever uh, Bush was overseas and and especially was maybe opening himself up for some type of criticism. Democrats still bit their tongue. And so there's all sorts of norms that are being thrown out the window by Republicans. Yeah, I mean, this Republican Party has no kind of moral compass or center. They are they are actively putting uh, pro Russia. They're like they are in favor of Putin over Democrats. Like they'd rather have Putin. There's Republican voters who would rather who who poll Putin higher than they do Joe Biden. Right? Um, that's scary to think about. I don't know how to fight that. I don't know where, why, or who, why Putin is that popular amongst the Republican base. But it's pretty clear to me that Republicans only want power or they'll sink everything else. Um, Marco Rubio is critical. He wanted Pete, Mayor Pete to re- uh, resign over uh, uh, East Palestine, the, the train. Uh, he voted against infrastructure package, right? Ted Cruz is, is blaming Biden for not going to East Ohio. Um, but Ted Cruz was the one who left Texas when Texas needed him, right? So these people are just hypocrites. So anytime any one of them talk, I always look at it as projection because what they're saying about Biden is usually true about their own party. Um, Trump went to Ohio and 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 blamed Biden for something that happened under his his administration. And then Mayor Pete in that same clip said Trump denies that he had anything to do with it. So it must have happened against his will. So why don't you come out and say we should uh, support regulating this, right? So I don't know. I have no faith in the Republican Party. Like I said, John, if 9-11 happened today, Republicans would blame a Democratic president if it happened under a Democratic president. They would not support funding of any sort of um, war. They would not support funding for helping. nine. Like John Stewart famously railed against Republicans for years because they wouldn't support 9-11 uh, first responders, right? That's who they are. They're not anything other than that. Right. Um, look, it's, it's, it's frustrating. And, you know, now moving back to East Palestine, um, I do think that it's important that we don't politicize the supporting and caring for our fellow neighbors who have gone through an unimaginable crisis. I mean, I don't know about you. Uh, there's very few places you can live in a metropolitan area where you're not within probably what three to five miles of some major rail rail that at any given time can be carrying dangerous chemicals and what have you. So 
I don't know why more so. There's plane, there's train derailments all the time, and there's spills all the time, and I don't know if it's because of the coverage or what, but this one, this one shook me. Not shook me in that I can't sleep, but it's really had me thinking a lot more about where I live and my proximity to train tracks, and realize you know there's very few places in metropolitan areas at least where you're not within uh, an evacuation or a shelter in place distance from a railroad. I mean, what, what's been your reaction to the whole uh, uh, East Palestine situation? I, I, I worked with somebody who was going to visit Ohio in uh, March and she was considering not going. So also the, uh, I, I don't want to use the word blast radius, but the radius of where it affects like it's not that far. Like Ohio and Chicago aren't that far, right? Um, and there was a, a, der- a derailment, if I'm not mistaken, in Indiana. It wasn't as serious, from what I understand, but um, it, it hit closer to home. Look, Chicago. Remember, I don't know if you remember this at all, John, but post 9/11, like people were saying that, well, Chicago is on the list too because it's a it's a top three American city. So I think we've always kind of had this. Um, anything can happen here because of of Chicago, obviously. Um, but I don't know. I don't. I don't get scared as much of that because um, I don't know. I don't know. I just. I, I grew up more scared of, of gangs and gun violence and drug violence and everything like that. That's more present in our everyday lives. Um, it, also, John, it, remember I forgot where it was, but there was a nuclear power plant that had um, locally. I think maybe in the Midwest somewhere in Nebraska or something like that, or, or Montana or something like that. That was very danger of, of leaking out. And, and it, it had this whole conversation of nuclear power. I don't know if you remember this, maybe it was during the Obama administration. And I remember thinking like, really at any given point, like the way our country runs, uh, the way the world runs, um, it, it's very dangerous for us if, if it's not severely regulated and controlled um, in a, in a, in a proper manner. So I just think at any given point, something could, could go wrong and, and, um, so I don't know. Maybe I don't. I don't. I don't think of it too much because it's probably a little bit too scary to think of. Yeah, it's scary, but it's something that you know, especially what what uh, they were interviewing Erin Brockovich on TV, and she was I talking about the challenge that they have. Though, too, is even if the water's testing fine in certain tests right now. Um, for those who were around and were exposed when it happened, you know, could damage already be done? So I don't know. Um, you know, the Republicans are going out of the way to exploit it. And of course it needs to be taken seriously. Of course it needs to be investigated, but I would hope that everybody's first stance, because here's the thing. And we always talk about, well, if we did this and they, we, they would say, be saying this. I do think that if, you know how we're we're saying, and I talked to you earlier about, well, did the uh, regulation that Trump o- overturned or, or 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 you know basically stood down on, um, did that cause it? You gave a very objectionable, you gave a very objective answer. Um, you know, if the shoe was under the other foot, even if there was even if there was no there there, um, the, whoever was a Democrat to have you know been involved with some of these decisions. There'd be congressional hearings. There'd be calls for indictments. Uh, they, you know, 
you and I talk about this every week. I'm glad we don't play this game because I think it gives us more integrity. But the reality is we're up against people who will play this game. We were up against, and, and think about it. This is how they play the game. We can see that with that move towards deregulation and, 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 and lessening some of the, the, um, the guidelines and safety protocols, um, that could have very easily caused it. Yet the right's doing a very effective job within their echo chambers of making it seem like it was Biden and, and Secretary Pete's fault, right? And we know that it's opposite. So, I mean, what do you think? I know we need to be more aggressive, but how should we, how, should we be exploiting it the way that it's being exploited? Meaning, um, you know, maybe we're not the first to exploit it, but now that the exploitation is happening, should we be, you know, full, full board and exploiting it ourselves? Um, before I answer, are you finding that Dem are, is is the Republican narrative sticking to you? Think when you have a party that only plays to its base, it always sticks. The question is, you know, who's are there a lot of people who fall for it who aren't in their base? I think that's yeah. the question. Uh, it's it's interesting because I've been paying attention peripherally, like I always do with all this stuff. I don't know if this is sticking, what Republicans are saying is sticking. That's why I was a little disappointed, maybe not disappointed, but Mayor Pete was trying to take accountability and said, why well, should have tweeted about it earlier? Um, the fact is Biden and, and Mayor Pete were available to the governor, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and he didn't call them back, right? So I don't care if Mayor Pete tweets about it. I don't. I don't, I don't want him tweeting. I want him on the phone trying to get things done. So I, when, when, when somebody asks you, why haven't you tweeted about this in a week and a half, I want his answer to be, frankly, tweets aren't doing do anything. I was on the phone. I was trying to get things done, right? Our EPA administrator was here, right? So also what I'm seeing is what happened it's interesting in Pennsylvania with, with Governor Shapiro is to say they're going after who's really kind of responsible on some level. And maybe that's an opportunity for the Biden administration to um, do that as well. Not to pass off blame, but to say, like you said earlier, right? Derailments happen all the time. There's dangerous things on these trains all the time. The Republicans don't believe in regulation. We're trying to get regulation and we should hold the people who are responsible, responsible. I don't know what happens tomorrow. I don't know what happens on the Sunday shows. You know what I mean? But um, I don't know. I, I, if I'm the Biden administration, I'm not backtracking. Like the Republicans are painting it like Biden caused, uh, called the airstrike on the train to, to strike it down. Like, this was an accident. This was an accident. And accidents happen. Can we fix it? Can we avoid the next one? Um, and that's where we go from here. But I don't, I don't like Mayor Pete backtracking, to be honest. Yeah. Um, it's 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 unfortunate that he did, but it's also, in many ways, he probably sees it as the buck stopping with him, him holding himself accountable, uh, and him doing what he believes to be the right thing. Um, the proof is in the pudding. Uh, as the immediate crisis in East Palestine dies down, you're going to have the, the rebuilding. You're going to have to, you know, will the people, and I know that the Democrats and President Biden will do what they can to make sure that the people have the resources they need. If there's any kind of budgetary things that are in control of Congress, will the same people talking trash? step up. Furthermore, 
when it comes to regulation, when it comes to whether it's regulation on the rails, when it comes to things that fall into the purview of the EPA, will the same Republicans who are talking all this mess, will they go ahead and will they support some of the common sense, smart approaches that protects our people, that protects our environment? Or are they always going to go ahead and just look out for the bottom line? And, you know, we've not even talked about Norfolk Southern, who's really just, you know, crapped the bread on crapped the bed on this, you know, but it's um, and, you know, this is what I believe. I don't know if it's a direct correlation or if it's tangential, <laughs> but this is kind of also some of the things that the very rail workers who were threatening to go on strike were talking about. These are some of the things that they wanted addressed. These are some of the things that they want it fixed. So, you know, it's so easy to exploit and talk trash about something in the moment. Then what are you going to do going forward? And I really think the Republicans are going to drop the ball. But we as Democrats and left-leaning folks, or no, let's, let's put it this way. Not just Democrats and left-leaning folks, Democrats, left-leaning folks, and people of any kind of modicum of humanity uh, going forward you know, we need to push back and call out the people who are who are not going to be doing the right thing uh, in the aftermath of, of this derailment. I thought, I thought you were going to go in a different direction. Yeah, hum, humanity. But um, how about, I'm going to use the word, this is going to be a little bit off, off center, but I'm going to use the word American. Like, I'm old enough to remember when 9-11 happened, how the country banded together. I'm old enough to remember when the Boston bombing happened, how every single person was on the same page, right? As far as uh, let's get together, let's listen to what the police want, let's get these guys, right? I don't mean to bring that up again, but I, I really do wonder how this would happen in today's world. Would the Boston bombing be blamed on a on a left liberal a guy who's slacking on law, law and order? You know what I mean? Would it be blamed on uh, Biden letting terrorists in across the border? Um, it's just fascinating to me that Republicans refuse to even, uh, they, they just have no shame. They, they will use anything and everything to make a political point, unfortunately. Maybe it was it always like that. I'm, not, I'm just not sure. I don't remember people blaming Obama's immigration policy on the Boston bombing. You know what I mean? It's, it's just fascinating to think about in hindsight, but look, this is an opportunity for us as Americans to figure out, Hey, these trains need help. The railroad um, the workers almost were on strike. This is probably a, a um, an infrastructure that needs boosting across the whole entire country. These railroads are hundreds of years old, uh, years old. Right. So, but now we just have to sit here and defend Biden and, and Mayor Pete is, instead of trying to fix and, and help Americans. We just have to defend ourselves against Republican attacks. It's it's unfortunate, you know. It it, it is, but it, it is what it is. Now, uh, keeping in mind and keeping up with the Ukraine theme and East Palestine theme, uh, the notorious MTG uh, went ahead and uh, just had a horrible week. Uh, and she she talked about how America needs to divorce itself. Um, she 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 made a whole bunch of stuff. So, what did you think of the of 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 the previous week's uh, moments? Not moment, but moments of MTG. Uh, not surprised, but um, I'll tell you how I feel. But I want to pose a question to you, Prior. 
do you think that Biden, and maybe not Biden himself, but someone in the cabinet or maybe Kamala, right, vice president, do you think that someone should start using MTG how the right uses AOC against the left? Like, like, do you think that what she's doing, like, I personally think what she's doing is going to cost them votes amongst independents. Do you think that we should not be trying to stop her or teach her? Do you think we should be amplifying her to show you, to show people how crazy the Republican Party is? Yeah, but to to what extent, what platform, and if you blow the wad on that now, um does it not be, is it less effective, you know, as you get closer to elections? So in principle, I would say yes. Uh, but I think that, and, and I'm sure depending on which consultants you talk to, which pollsters you talk to, uh, which candidates you talk to, I bet you there's not, probably not, um, even, even if everybody has decided, yes, I bet you the how and the when and the intensity is probably not consistent. Um, I do think that, um, you know, there's simple things you can do. Um, I forget MTG, uh, whether we default or not, I kept saying that we need to keep talking about the potential default, um, as the McCarthy default, right? Um, you know, when you talk about, uh, Kevin McCarthy, and we're going to get a little bit later on to the January 6th recordings, but he did that because Marjorie Taylor Greene told him to, you know, that, I think, yes, I think it's going to be, remember before we just talked about the difference between Biden's strength and Bush's bravado? Is there a way to kind of weaken and, and, and start the drumbeat, but don't peak too soon? Um, I don't know. Does that, does that make any sense? Yes, it does. And that's a valid point. Um, the reason I bring it up is, when, when Marjorie says that Republican states should secede from the country, it's interesting to me for a few reasons. One, she's under the impression that the Republican states will keep the government and not the Democratic states, right? So that's one. Two, if you just provide facts for her that the, the 10 most, most dangerous states in the country are all red, the 10 poorest states in the country are all red. Um, California, Illinois, because of Chicago and New York, pay the bills of states like Kansas, Mississippi, Alabama, without the blue states in this country or blue cities that carry red states, that this country wouldn't be the country that it is. Now, is there is there parts of Mississippi... Alabama, Nebraska that are cool and, and provide to the American uh, ethos? Yes, of course. I'm not saying those states are deplorable. What I'm saying is it's pretty clear that California, New York, Chicago, Denver, Miami, Atlanta, like these states carry the United States. These cities carry the United States financially, culturally, um, exports, imports, Think about where the ports are in New York and California. Think about how all these packages come in from China and California and New York. Um, I guess I say all that to say the red states wouldn't survive without the blue states. The blue states will happily survive if anything cut dead weight by cutting red states. Um, now, 
I those are facts. So I, you can't necessarily disagree with facts. But do you agree? Do you agree or disagree with that kind of messaging to say, um, to push back against someone like Margie to say, "Hey, the red states are uh, unsurvivable without blue states." You know what I mean? Or is that just too petty? No, and, and Joy Joy Reid did something similar where she talked about um, because we are, as she said, the giver states. Um, and don't forget, if you're succeeding, guess who retains the right to be in the United States of America? Yeah. The country you're, you're, you're succeeding from. Um, look, you can't sit there and, you know, Kevin McCarthy goes up there with the soft language, how he's going to bring the country together. You can't be doing all this. It's the same thing that Nikki Haley's doing. You can't sit there and use that soft voice and act like you're being responsible, and it's the other side that's being divisive, then have someone who's very high-ranking in your party turn around and and, and, and call for a succession. Or, or you heard the other one is they want, she wants to create a rule that if someone moves from a blue state to a red state, they can't vote for five years, right? You know, it, it's, 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 um, you know, it's crazy. It's crazy, but that's, that's where we are. But it's, it, I think as we get ready for 24, and as I said in a previous episode, I can no longer use the wait till after the midterms because the midterms have been over. But as we get ready for 24, I think this is something that's going to happen. But I also remember, I think whether it's our platform here or, other, or, or, or what we do on social media, what others do on social media, I think that um, we have to trust the party and their consultants, and their candidates, and their leaders to do the right thing. And I think for what we're not seeing, what we'd like to see more of, I think that's on us. I think it's on us to be a little bit more, um, you know, uh, it's crowdsourced to an extent. Now, the problem with it being on us, I think you and I and the people that we associate with are going to be very smart and not do any kind of messaging and everything that's counterproductive. There's some people in our on our side who probably will be a little bit more reckless uh hints defund the police etc but you know you know i think that you know, we should definitely with our platform be a little bit more aggressive in, in really protecting uh not the party but the country yeah i totally hear you look on some level i don't think democrats should say anything and they should just let the republicans self-destruct as i do believe that's coming uh but you bring up a great point about mccarthy that's what's frustrating to me is that if a Democrat said this, Biden would be faced with questions nonstop. And we, I don't know if we, I can't say we, but I think media members should be, or at least Democratic colleagues, somebody should be asking McCarthy, McConnell, Graham, uh, if they support uh, a Republican leader saying that red states should secede from the United States of America. Everywhere McCarthy should go, he should get that question. Everywhere McConnell should go, he should get that question. Because that's the only way that I think they feel the repercussions of somebody like MTG. Right now, she's just wilding out and nothing happens. But if McCarthy has to deal with it every day, if McConnell has to deal with it every single day, um, then I think it becomes an annoyance. Mitt Romney, I don't know if you saw Mitt Romney's response. Again, Mitt Romney, isn't. I don't consider him part of the Republican leadership, even though he's, he should be at the top of the uh, leadership board in, in a normal party. But he said, 
Abraham Lincoln fought this a long time ago and, and, and he called her insane or he called the idea insanity. So that's the kind of rhetoric that Republicans should have, but they have to get the questions first in order to really go on record. Well, there's one thing though that I will tell you, part of the reason why McCarthy hasn't really been put on the spot. The last two weeks, Congress has been, some people will call it resource, recess, although the members of Congress don't, um, some, and some are, are in district work period. Uh, or this is also a time in which many of them are taking advantage of international travel, um, not to go soak up the sun, but to do junkets, to do codels, which is short for congressional delegation, et cetera. Um, so um, McCarthy and for that matter, Hakeem Jeffries don't have their weekly stand up in front of press press conference. Um, if the story is still hot next week, it will come up. They will have to discuss this and discuss it in public right but right now it's not something that uh that that they're having to deal with and have and, and they're not being put on the spot that makes a lot of sense um i was looking at my phone as you were talking because um defense secretary has a one-on-one sit down with caitlin collins and he said that we're training and equipping several brigades of mechanized infantry that's pretty substantial capability. The Ukrainian forces will be able to breach Russia defenses and maneuver. So America is pretty involved. I know we just talked about it in the pod, so I thought it was pretty uh, on topic to bring that up. It looks like um, we are behind the scenes doing a lot of work, so I take back what I said. But I do agree with your part about McCarthy and and just everything. Um, look, I, I, I think Democrats have nailed 2018. They nailed 2020. They nailed 2022. I have full faith that over the next two years, over the next year and a half, whatever it is, that they'll take advantage of somebody like MTG saying that. Uh, it might not cost her her seat specifically in Georgia, but uh, it might help um, other places. And I think that's uh, more than enough. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 uh, look, what's going on with them is crazy. Now, now, getting back to McCarthy, it was leaked this week that McCarthy has taken over 40,000 hours of videotape from, or, or I should say recordings, because it's probably not on, on v- VHS anymore, uh, but has taken forty over 40,000 hours of J6 footage and given it to Tucker Carlson. And uh, he did this partly because it was a promise he made to folks on the right to get their support. Uh, there's a lot of people, led by Benny Thompson, on the left and on in Republican circles who are talking about the danger this puts uh, members of Congress and Capitol Police under. Um, what was your reaction upon learning of Kevin's uh, giving Tucker Carlson uh, access to this footage, which potentially put some some people in in in, in some danger? Yeah, that, that, my, my first thought, I think my response to you was, how is this legal? Like, if you release it to the media, I understand, but you have to release it to all media. You can't pick and choose. Uh, and he's clearly picking Tucker, who is not a news source or he's an opinion based uh I wouldn't even call him a journalist, but um, so I, I know. So my question, like, I guess now I'm just confused. Sh- Schumer came out and said that he can't do this and that it's a threat to national security. Do you we do we have updates as far as the legality of this, or uh, can can Capitol Police step in? Can uh, DOJ step in and say, hey, this is a breach of national security to have an outsider having these tapes, or, or how, do we have updates on anything like that? My understanding is that it's completely legal. It's just not appropriate. Um, 
you know, it's 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 something again. Had a Democrat put, you know, compromise security, it is a compromising of security, but it's not necessarily illegal. There could be a political price that has to pay. If any harm comes to the Capitol, any harm comes to members of Congress as a result of this, um, Kevin McCarthy will have blood on his hands. But that being said, um, you know, it's, you know, a lot, most of the footage probably will be boring. Uh, but the concern is, is that Tucker will take it and um, edit it. And also there's also concerns too is, that there's a lot that the general public still does not know about the moves that were made on January 6th. And part of the reason why we don't know them is because if the Capitol was ever in danger again, they'd like to make similar moves, meaning um, by releasing all the tapes, they can see the path that Pelosi or Pence were taken to where, where they started, where they ended up and how they got there. And, the, having those being secret, having people not knowing those paths, having people being in the dark is been is protective. So that's the first thing. Second thing is um, Tucker's not trusted not to take that tape and not only share stuff he should not share, but also to create a false narrative of what really happened on that day. So, but to to the point that you had made. Um, I don't believe, and I may be wrong, I could stand corrected. I don't believe that anything, any laws were broken. I just know a bunch of irresponsible and, uh, and inappropriate behavior is, is a way to ca- categorize what uh, Kevin McCarthy did. Yeah, no, no, that makes sense. I also uh, agree with your whole idea of um, editing and kind of painting a narrative. Now, I keep thinking of how can this backfire on Democrats, but the reality is, Tucker might be after like, cause I know a lot of conspiracy theories believe that the FBI was, was the reason that January 6th happened or the CIA, it was a covert op to make it look like Trump, et cetera, et cetera. But nothing Tucker does will penetrate what we remember. Right. And the fact is that everyone in the country believes that if Trump supporters crossed the line, Trump crossed the line, McCarthy said it himself. Uh, Hannity said it privately uh, that we know now publicly, Graham said it right famously. I'm done with this. If you're, this is what it's going to be. McCarthy said he is responsible for it. McConnell said he's responsible for it. Nothing could change what happened in January 6th. If they believe that maybe future charges of Trump that comes from the January 6th commission will be counter countered with this, nothing that Tucker does is going to matter. I don't think so. It's just going to matter to his base and that's fine. He could have those little victories, but, um, I just think I think a majority of people see through it, and, and, and that's what I'm pretty confident that. Although I, I'm I'm kind of frustrated that someone like that has access to uh, maybe they're planning the next one, and, and this is going to help, and that's my frustration. But as far as politically or nothing, I, I think this is all going to backfire on them. One of the things one of the writers for the Washington Post, Greg Sargent, wrote about um, he actually thinks now that Tucker's released these tapes that uh, the Democrats should just release them to other media outlets. Um, in a perfect world, these tapes would not be out. But since they're out, um, and, and first and foremost, that was another thing. Uh, Kevin McCarthy gave them to Tucker Carlson as an exclusive. With government property, you're not supposed to be given exclusive like that, right? You're supposed to be, if you're giving it to one, you should give it to all. But even if Kevin's not giving it to them, evidently the Democrats have the ability um, to make the tapes available to the rest of the media. 
and Greg Sargent's thesis was uh, it's better that every if, if Tucker's going to have him, everybody should have him. I think, I think his first point is probably no one should have him, but if they're in Tucker's hands, they should be in everybody's hands. What, what are your thoughts on that? I completely agree, but not, not for the reasons that maybe that person said, but I think let's say Tucker edits a video in a deceiving way. You don't want to have a Democrat necessarily put out the whole video to counter Tucker's part. You really want the other news stations to say, Oh, this is misleading. This is the real footage. So I would give everybody the footage to help counteract what Tucker's eventually going to do with it. In this case, they're not, if Tucker releases a video, then you have to go back and, and you have to say, no, this is the real video unedited. And this is what actually happened. Um, that way the other news stations will do it for you. So I'm in favor of that, or I'm in favor of giving it to them under the stipulation that they can't give away certain paths or something that, that, that Pelosi or Pence or what have you, like, I, I would have a little bit of stipulation there as well. Right now, um, one of the other things, and there was a lot that happened this week. You know, it's funny because as we were recording or getting ready for recording, I'm like, what are we going to talk about? And I looked at it and I was like, yeah, there's a lot and there's a lot that's not even here. But um, another thing that happened uh, last week was the forewoman in the Georgia grand jury has started, as one of my friends would say, has started bumping her gums. And, 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 and she's talking now. Um, she says that she expects lots of indictments. It's weird because I see some attorneys saying this undermines things. I see other attorneys saying, no, it doesn't undermine anything because at the end of the day, she's putting information out that would come out that's accessible to the actual grand jury that will be given the indictment. It'd be different if she was speaking on behalf of the grand jury that was uh, given the indictment. But I, what are your thoughts? Do you think that um, the attorneys and the pundits who are saying, oh, this really undermines uh, Fonnie Willis's case. Uh, again, you and I don't have law degrees, um, but who are you believing? Are you believing the ones who are saying it's not that big of a deal? It's not ideal. It's not a good look, but it's not going to really matter at the end of the day. Or are you in the camp of like, oh my goodness, we're doomed now. What, what is your thought? Um. I, I do think it undermines it. Maybe not legally, but I think it undermines it in a way that correct me if I'm wrong, John, I'm going to say some things just cut me off. If anything's wrong, she said that they believe that, or they believe that there's 17 people that might like they, that they believe there's at least 17 indictments or something for 17 people. Right. Is that the number that everyone's talking about? Right. 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 So, and she, and she also said that you're going to recognize some names on there. Right. Uh, she wouldn't commit to Trump. And I told you that the fact that I don't think Trump's coming just based on that. Right. So I think here's where it undermines it. What if, what if like Matt Gates situation happens that there's an enough for an indictment, we recognize the name, but the prosecutors don't go through with the indictment for XXX of reason. It might be a justified reason, but what if there is a, we believe that you should indict this person and we believe that this person uh, committed a crime and we as the public see that, right? Rudy committed a crime and everyone believes he should be indicted. The prosecutor says, no, we're not going to indict him. Then I think you lose the narrative. Like, just like you lost the Matt Gates narrative, right? Pe Matt Gates did those things. 
and people people can prove that Matt Gates did those things. They just don't feel comfortable putting that in front of a jury because they might be not guilty. They don't have it all sewed up. It, but Matt Gates is walking around like, look, I told you I didn't do anything, right? So if Rudy believes, if people believe that Rudy should be inv- indicted and Rudy never gets indicted, Rudy can now turn around and say, look, I told you, I didn't do nothing wrong. It's a perfect cause, Trump says, right? That's my worry, and that's where I believe it undermines it. Because now we're expecting 17 people to get indicted. And I promise you, John, 17 people aren't getting indicted. Um, it, it's really interesting. It, well, it, I don't know. I don't know. But I will say this. I think the thing, and this is where we, you know, unfortunately, the majority of the public does not pay attention to a lot of stuff. And I'm not trying to be an elitist or anything like that. I think we know that people are busy. They have other interests. And while you and I can talk uh, fluently about what's going on in Washington and the Trump investigations, we probably can't tell you anything about what's going on with uh, the real housewives of, whereas someone else could, you know, school us in that. So um, that being said, I think that one of the things that a lot of people don't quite really truly understand is that this grand jury is not, they may have even made recommendations, but there's nothing that they're doing that is binding. So it's, it, they literally were gathering facts and creating a record, a record of which would then be used for a different grand jury to draw conclusions from. And if the, if the record is, Rudy Giuliani came in, sat down, and said the following. And Mark Meadows came in, sat down, and said the following. And if the uh, if this um, district attorney or if the grand jury feels those are warranting of charges, either for those individuals or others, then I don't think what the forewoman said is relevant. Um, there will be some who said maybe it takes the jury pool, but let me say, I, I don't know. Um, I think that we have to get used now to a society where for whatever reasons, whatever motives, people will run to the press. They'll say things, you know, um, if anything, you know, if she had said this a week after Fonnie Willis had given indictments, would people be freaking out? Um, I think that uh, when it comes to the law, but other elements, politics, sometimes I wonder if people and if the old way of doing things need to be changed for one reason. Um, A lot of our wisdom, a lot of our experience in these areas is based upon a time in which we didn't have 24-hour cable news networks. Um, We didn't have uh, social media. Uh, People couldn't just go ahead and do stuff. And you know the other thing that I realized? Would you agree that this press and I'm not the press right now spends too much time reading tea leaves and making predictions as opposed to reporting on what's going on? And they're trying to draw they're doing a lot more subjective work than objective work. And so that's now that neither good nor bad. That's just a reality. So if you are a district attorney or Merrick Garland have you taken time to realize how the game has changed? Because the game has changed. Yeah, one hundred percent. And and I don't know, John. Do you? Be, you might know this. 
the people who tried Young Thug, is that the same people? Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's that's I find that actually interesting because they went after a, a head hunt. They went after the guy, right? Young Thug is not uh, a small fry uh, in a small pool or whatever the saying is. Um, and well, and he's still on trial, right? He's or he's still being held. I know Gunna's out. And I don't know, just, you know, if, if, if I know you more from your legal problems than your music, you're problematic. And I've never heard a Gunner song. I don't know. I probably have heard a Young Thug song, but I probably didn't know his Young Thug. But long story short, isn't he still being held? He's still in the middle of his case, right? He's, he's not been acquitted or let go. I know Gunner's been out and Gunner is spelled G-U-N-N-A, I believe. Uh, but. Correct me. Am I wrong or right in that regard? Is yeah, he, is I think he still part, being held. I think part of the reason I, I don't certainly don't want to get involved in street stuff, but pro, I believe part of the reason Young Thug is being held still is because Gunna is outside. If if you understand what I'm trying to say, so uh, from what I understand, they have Young Thug dead to rights, and and she would have never brought that case. You don't go after someone like Young Thug without um, probably having the goods, if if so to say. So it's not that I don't trust her or don't trust them. Um, and, and they're going about it the right way. I, I just, I, I hope that I heard the call. Let's just say that I heard the call and what Trump did was illegal and it, he should have to pay for that is, is how I feel. So I, I just hope it leads to something like that. Yeah. Um, it will be interesting, you know, uh, how these things play out, what'll happen in the next week. We're, we're over an hour, so we need to wind it down. But, um, like I say, it's especially since Congress was in its in district work period, international travel. Biden was overseas. I thought it was a quiet week. And then when I looked at your show prep notes and then realized what we had, I'm like, wait a minute. Uh, we got a lot of work to do. So this is a great week for news. I think the upcoming week, Congress is back in session. So it should be a, 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 an interesting week in D.C. So for now, this is John signing off. And this is Fai Sanna. Thanks for joining us, guys.